Well, good morning, LAFC. My name is Tyler Morris, and I'm the Assistant Director of Student Ministries here, which means I get to work with our 5th through 8th graders most often, and they are weird. I'm looking at some of them, and wild and energetic, and I love them. (laughs) Uh, So I have a fun fact for you that has not been fact-checked, but I believe it to be true, and that is that I am currently the youngest person attending LAFC to have attended church in the mill. I was only three weeks old, and I only went for about six months, but I'm still going to claim that I'm the youngest person who has attended church at the mill. So I, I went through our student ministry here through Crossover, and I went to Liberty University in 2013, where I actually became a Christian there, and then the Lord called me very shortly after that. I feel like the Lord called me to ministry. And so in 2017, I graduated from Liberty, and then I came back to LAFC. I was an intern. I did part-time hours. I did more part-time hours. I was back as an intern. I was all over the place. Uh, And then about a year and a half ago, I came into the role that I'm now with our middle schoolers. So uh, I'm very excited this morning to be able to preach. And, And as we get into God's word, I love studying it that we can see who he is more more clearly, that we might be able to know him and therefore love him more. If you have been with us for any degree of time over the summer, we've been in a series on the Psalms, which is Heart to Heart with God, Meditations on the Psalms. So we're going to be continuing that this morning. So if you've got your Bible with you, we're going to be in Psalm 63. If you do not have a Bible, ushers are coming by. Just put your hand up. They would love to give you one. Psalm 63. So my my goal for this sermon this morning is that we might be able to see from the testimony of David in Psalm 63, I will share a little bit about my story, that you might be able to see that knowing God is at the heart of the Christian life. I believe all praise, all evangelism, all spiritual disciplines, all obedience will ultimately flow out of a relationship that comes from knowing God. All joy, all satisfaction is only and truly found in knowing God. I also know myself, and therefore I think I know you as well, based on Pastor Matt's sermon last week about forgetting his benefits. In seven days, we can so quickly forget his benefits yet again. And I I pray that we will be reminded through Psalm 63 of his character, who God is, and then what Christ has done on our behalf. So before we get into it, would you guys pray with me? Lord, I I ask that by your spirit, you might focus our minds this morning. We come with many distractions. God, soften our hearts. Your word is sharper than any double-edged sword, Lord. And it sees right to our heart. It sees right to our mind And it is the sword of the Spirit. So would you be gracious, give us focus, unveil our eyes and our hearts to see again your beauty, Lord. To be grateful for what Christ has done on our behalf. We need you, Spirit. In your name I pray, amen. So the context here in Psalm 63, if you look at the title, Psalm 63, right below it you'll see a little subscript that says, 
a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Or maybe yours says the wilderness of Judah. Now, this is an important phrase for two reasons. One, it tells us who's writing, so David, but it also tells us where he is writing. It says the desert of Judah. Now, I believe this context that is happening is 2 Samuel 15. Now, you don't have to turn there, but here's kind of an outline of what has been happening. Absalom, David's son, is attempting to overthrow David as the anointed and the appointed king over Israel. And Absalom's coup, his mutiny actually gains enough traction and enough followers. The passage literally says, Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. It gains enough followers that David and his followers have to flee Jerusalem. They have to flee the city where he was king. And so they head over the Mount of Olives and they head into the wilderness of Judah, the desert of Judah. Now, this is not a vacation oasis where you want to spend a good amount of time. It is a desert, literally a desert. There is not much vegetation. Verse 1 describes it as a dry and parched land where there's no water. Not only is it a desert, it is mountainous. You're hiking in this terrain as well, let alone fleeing from your son. And this is the context that David finds himself in the wilderness, fleeing from his son, and he writes Psalm 63. So I want you to to take a moment and just watch and listen as some of our middle schoolers have read Psalm 63 for us. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With my singing lips, my mouth will praise you. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because Because you you are are my my help. help. I sing in the shadows of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him. All who swear by God will glory in him. While the mouths of liars will be silenced. I love listening to them as they read Psalm 63. So our question, the main point, is knowing God is at the heart of the Christian life. So we have to ask two questions then. Two questions. What does it mean to know God? And then, rather, who is God? If this is the person who we know, and knowing God is at the heart of the Christian life, who is God, and what does it mean to know him? So we're going to look at five attributes that I believe Psalm 63 tells us about who God is. The first two are God is powerful and God is glorious. Uh, Turn with me to verse two. He says, 
I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. David, very, to the second verse into this, in the wilderness, reminds himself of a time when he was not in the wilderness, when he had seen the Lord in the sanctuary. I, so David writing this psalm, it draws my attention to another psalm that David also wrote, Psalm 27 and then verse 4. Listen to how he describes being and beholding the Lord. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And here it is. And to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. This was the very place that the sanctuary, um, he, David could do this. He could behold God. He could gaze upon his beauty. What verse 2 also tells me is that this was not the first time that David had beheld or talked with God. David knew God. He had an entire relationship with him, a foundation that was firm before he got into the wilderness. This is past tense. I have seen you in the sanctuary. David had talked with God. David inquired with God, and David beheld God's power and his glory. So the first attribute, God is powerful. This is something that I think gets lost in a lot of our Christian lingo that we used. Yes, God is all-powerful. But do we dwell and actually think about the power of God very often? Think, think about in his power, it has caused him to exist for eternity. There has never been a beginning to God, and there will never be an end to God. Wrap your, wrap your brain around that. He has always been in his power. In his power, he spoke into existence things that were not. Things that he created were spoken into existence. We've been, we've been going through this in our discipleship communities in middle school. Creation. The power of God to create the sun by merely speaking it into existence. We, we can never even dream of getting close to that. God is all-powerful. God is also glorious. David beheld his power and his glory in the sanctuary. This, this idea of glory is all encapsulating of he's holy, he's far above us, he's perfect, he's magnificent, there is majesty, there is weight to him. He is glorious. This is no small thing to behold God's glory. The next, the next two attributes that we see of God are found in verse 3 and verse 5. God is loving and God is satisfying. Verse 3 says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. In verse 5, I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. See, I, I don't really remember actually how I came across Psalm 63, but I remember when I got to Psalm 63, verse 3 and verse 5 stuck out personally to me. I read them as statements that David was making. David said, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, and I will be fully satisfied. I, I read these, and I could not in good conscience make those same statements. I could not go, Lord, 
Your love is better than life. I I certainly didn't hate his love, but it was not better than life. It was equal amongst many other loves in this world. It was not better than life. My, My soul was not ultimately and truly satisfied in God. And so it led me on a three-month journey of, of not praying, not meditating on any other scripture other than Psalm 63. And I kept coming back. I said, Lord, Spirit, please do this in my heart. Let my heart be able to say, your love is indeed better than life. And after three months, the Lord was gracious and, his, and he did it. His love indeed became better than life. I enjoyed God. My soul was satisfied in God. And therefore, I longed. I longed to be with God. I longed to be with the one who truly satisfied me. I longed to be with the one whose love was indeed better than anything I had found on this earth. I longed to be with God. Let me ask, let me ask you this question. What are things that you long for? What, what are things that you desire? Some of you may just simply long for a time when things will get back to normal during coronavirus. Some of you might go, I, I long for this week of vacation where finally I get relief from work and stress and I, and I just get to rest. This is Lancaster, so I know family roots run deep. Some of you might just go, I long to spend time with family. Relatives, but as well as immediate family. Parents and kids. Grandparents and grandkids. You desire and you long to spend time with those that you love. Some of you might long for a better house, a better job, maybe just more free time away from work. We, we say these things, and on the surface, we never really actually get the level deeper and go, well, why? Why are these things that we long for? Why do we desire these things? See, I think underneath, as human beings, we are created to long for a certain set of things. They might play themselves out differently in the world, but underneath, we're longing for the same things. I think we're longing for love and care, for support and encouragement. We are longing to be happy and content, to find peace and to find rest. And sometimes what the Lord does is he brings us to a wilderness period to show us that we have been searching for these things in all of the wrong places. Those desires are not wrong. We just seek them in all of the wrong places. I believe that you and me were created to have love, care, encouragement, peace, contentment in God, fully in God. The things of this world will not be able to truly give you the things that you desire. The desires are not wrong. They just lead us to wrong things. So what does this actually mean? Your love is better than life. My soul will be satisfied in you. Like, no, no one really talks like that, right? Hey, how, how are you and the Lord doing? Oh, my soul is satisfied in him. Oh, his love is just better than life. Like, we, we don't really talk in that language. So what does this actually mean? 
I, I think at its core it means that if we have God, we know God, then we lack nothing. If we have God, we lack nothing. We have everything that our hearts long for. Psalm 23 hits on this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, or I shall not want. Psalm 84 describes the presence of God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Paul hits on this very same thing in Philippians 3. He says, indeed, I count everything as a loss. He just got done describing all the gains that the world had to offer him. And he said, I count them all as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. All of those things were a loss in comparison to what it was like to know Christ Jesus, his Lord. If we have God, then we lack nothing. Think of it in, the, in this term. Uh, maybe the deep love and affection that comes between a husband and a wife. The deep intimacy the desire just to be with one another. Or, or, or maybe with a father and a mother to their son or daughter. Or, or grandparents to their grandkids. Right, when you're sitting on the couch and one of your grandkids runs up, sits in your lap and looks up and smiles at your face. The, the deep tenderness and love that happens in that moment. It's supposed to give us a glimpse of a love that's even better than those moments. A love that is indeed deeper, a love that is indeed better and longer lasting. It's meant to point us to the love of God because the love of God is better than life. Life itself and then everything that life has to offer. God's love is better. Verse 5, David specifically uses the analogy. He says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. Now, what do, you, what do you think of when he says richest of foods? I, 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 think, of, I think of two instances. Um, Thanksgiving as a meal. And then for my Lancaster County folks, shady maple smorgasbord. Yes, amen. How many of you have been to shady maple before? Oh, good. Yep. Same amount of hands as in the first service. All right. I, we love that place. Um, and it gives us the richest of foods. So my, my family would always take um, a trip over summer. They were teachers, so they had summer off. And you know the classic, walk up to the buffet, grab one plate, load it with your pancakes and your bacon, your eggs, whatever you're into, go up again, grab the rest of the stuff. Like, you take multiple trips up. And then we would always, I don't know about you, but we would always, at the very end, get some fruit to kind of like make us feel better as if all the stuff that we just ate was then covered by the, <laughs> by the four strawberries that I just ate. It eliminated the sugar. It didn't work, right? And then on our drive home, we would always, without fail, this is how it would go. We would go home, we would not eat lunch, and then we would want to take a nap. Whether we did take a nap or not, I don't always remember, but it's the desire to rest. You're not hungry, and you desire to rest. Now, why do you think that is, the desire to take a nap? It's because you're fully content and you're satisfied. You don't want to eat more food. It would be a bad idea if you ate more food. Bad things would happen. It's the idea of you are content. You are lacking nothing. 
So therefore, your body goes, I, I can rest. I don't need more. And this is the very analogy that David uses to describe not food, but to describe God's presence. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. So, so what, is, what does this mean overall for God's love to be better than life and our soul to be satisfied? I, th- I think it means at your deepest heart and your deepest soul desires, they are found and they are met in the presence of God. They are found and met in the presence of God and God alone. As as I share this, I can imagine some of you as believers who go, that's not the case for me right now. Has, has your heart grown dull to the reality of what it is like to know God? Has your heart grown cold to the joy and the presence of God? You know, m- maybe coronavirus is brought so much stress and worry and fear that it has choked out your delight and your enjoyment of God. Maybe, maybe your heart or your soul has found something else in this world that you go, yeah, that satisfies me. This is better than God's love. Something has crept into your heart or your soul that has become better than the presence of God. Or, or maybe you've just grown up and been around church so long. You come on Sundays, you listen to Christian music, you hear sermons, you read God's word, but it has become dull, it has become boring. God's presence seems to lack any real life. My, my prayer is you would not forget the Lord's benefits. You would not forget who God is. He is not dull, he is not boring. It is a delight that we can get to know God. And, and, and honestly, nothing on this earth will compare, will satisfy you more than the presence of God. No love will be deeper or greater than the love that you find in knowing God. My prayers, you'll be reminded of who God is. You'll be reminded of what his son, Jesus Christ, has done. He has brought you from death to life. He has taken you out of the pit of hell and brought you into his family and adopted you as his own. So now you can call him father. This this is wonderful news. This is the greatest news that exists on earth, that through his son Jesus, we can know God. We can have a relationship with God. Has your heart grown cold to this reality? Some of you might be listening and you would not consider yourself a Christian or a believer. And so I ask you the same thing. Does your heart and your soul not long for this? Does it not long for a love that is unfailing? For a love that forgives your iniquities, that keeps no record of wrongs? For a love that is as high as the heavens are above the earth? To those of you who do not know God, does your heart not long to find true, lasting satisfaction? I'm here to tell you that Psalm 63 says it, God's word says it over and over again, it is found in God. It is found in knowing God. So believer, be reminded again this morning what God has done on your behalf through his son. 
an unbeliever, those of you who do not know God, hear what God is offering on behalf of his son. See, the, the greatest news is the gospel, that Christ, Jesus, this perfect son of God, said, I'm going to go to the cross for your sins. He didn't know any sin, but he bore our sin. He paid our penalty on the cross. He took on all of God's wrath so it no longer falls on us. Jesus became a curse. Jesus took on our iniquities. He bore our guilt. He bore our deepest shame on the cross. All so that our sins could be removed and now a child of wrath can become a child of God. A person separate from God could now know God. That is why Christ went to the cross, that we could have a relationship with the Father. So to both, I say, believers and unbelievers, forsake the worldly things that will not satisfy. Turn from them, for they will not give you a love that is better than life. But only through Christ, knowing God, will that truly come. Beg God by his spirit to do that. As I shared, praying for, for three months, beg God by his spirit to rekindle your heart to him again or possibly to cause you to know him for the first time. God is loving and God is satisfying. The last attribute that we see is in verse seven. God is our help. It says, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. The Psalms are littered with this idea of knowing God is our help, as well as pleading and reminding our own hearts, yes, the Lord is our help. Psalm 38 says, make haste to help. Psalm 40, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. He, uh, you alone are my help and my deliverer. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in times of trouble. See, in, in the midst of, of trial, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of even a pandemic, or maybe in the wilderness, God alone is your help. God alone is your refuge. So I hope thus far we have seen from Psalm 63, God is powerful and glorious. He is loving. He is satisfying. And God, indeed, is our help. My prayer for this week, for you, is that in response, not forgetting his benefits, hearing the gospel of Jesus, being reminded what it's like to know God, that you will do four things in response to this, is you will seek God, you will praise God, you will remember God, and you will cling to God. And I don't believe I am just making these things up. I believe this is the very response of David. David in Psalm 63, who knew God, this is how he responded to knowing God. Look at verse 1 with me. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You, God, are my God. David knew God. And it caused him to earnestly with his whole being, seek after God. It says, I thirst for you. Remember, he's in the wilderness, in a dry and weary land where there's no water. But what does he say? 
He doesn't say, oh, I thirst for water and a well and a spring. He goes, no, Lord, I thirst for you. David knew in the wilderness God would be the only one who would be able to quench his thirst and meet his needs. So this week, will you seek the Lord? As you're reminded of who he is, will you seek him with your whole being? Will you thirst after him? Because you know that you will find satisfaction and joy in God. The second response of David was to praise God. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. Therefore, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. David, in the midst of his circumstances, praised God in the wilderness because he didn't praise God based on his circumstances. He praised God for who he knew God was. Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. My soul will be satisfied. Therefore, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Despite where you find yourself this morning and this week, will you praise God simply for who he is? Because you know that he is worthy every moment of every day for all eternity of our praise. Will you praise the Lord this week? The last one, remember him. In response, will you remember God? Look at verse um, six. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. When you lay down at night to go to sleep, and, and stress and anxiety and your mind just begins to race. Will you remember the Lord? Will you remember Christ and the peace that can guard your heart and your mind? Will you remember the beauty of the Savior? When, when temptation lurks closely by your bed in the evening, will you remember that only the Lord satisfies? His love is only better than life. Will you remember the Lord this week? Not, not just in the evening either, throughout the day, to get you through the day because you know who God is. Will you remember him this week? The last one is, I, I want to go back to the context and remind us where David is when he writes this. He is in the wilderness, a dry, weary land, a desert. His son, his own son, is seeking to kill him and overthrow his kingship. The presence of God seems like a distant memory, something in the sanctuary that he had beheld in the past. He has relational pain from his son, physical pain from wandering, and he has spiritual longing to be with the Lord. And I wonder if, if we were honest, how many of you in this room would go, I think that describes my current spiritual season. If I'm being honest, that I feel like I'm in the wilderness right now. To be, to be honest for, for myself, I would say the past six months I would consider as wilderness. I have not been overflowing with joy in God's presence I've not been delighting in God as it describes, and that's okay. 
Because knowing God doesn't mean 24-7 you are overjoyed and always delighting in him. But especially in the wilderness, knowing God means that above all else, your soul thirsts for God. Because you know he is the answer. You might not be delighting in him, but you are eagerly desiring him. Does your soul long for the Lord? See, I realize that the Lord has been sovereignly uh, bringing me through the wilderness for, honestly, in preparation of this psalm, that I could stand here and go, listen, I, I get it. I know the hurt, the pain, the longings in the wilderness. And I just want to remind you, if you feel like you're in that place, that the Lord's love is still better than life. His steadfast love is better than life. Your soul can still only truly be satisfied in God. More than I relate with you, God does too. He goes, I I see you, I love you, and I care for you in the wilderness. Christ can empathize with your weakness. He understands. So my encouragement to you, if you find yourself in the wilderness, keep seeking Keep desiring. Do not give up, brother or sister. Keep praising God. God is still worthy. He's still worthy of praise. Keep diligently pursuing him. Which leads me to my last point. In verse 8, he says, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. God is our help. Believer in the wilderness, God is your help and your refuge. Will you cling to him? Cling to him for dear life. And the promise is, I cling to you and your right hand upholds me. God will uphold you in the wilderness. Keep pursuing, keep praising, keep seeking, keep clinging to God. So as you are reminded of who God is, my prayer for you this week is you might seek the Lord with all of your heart. You might praise the Lord. You might remember the Lord and you might cling to the Lord this week. Let's pray. Oh Lord, your love is better than life. Our souls can be satisfied in your presence. Holy Spirit, would you work in believers' hearts here if they feel like they are in the wilderness? Would they cling to you, God? Would they keep seeking you, knowing that you are their help and your right hand will uphold them? Spirit, would you grant us a fresh heart to know you? It is not dull, it is not boring, Lord. You are You are satisfying, and it is a delight to know you. Rekindle our hearts. Sustain our hearts, Lord. Oh, Father, as we sing this next song, bring us back to the heart of worship. It is not about circumstances. It is about your character and who you are. Therefore, we can always praise it. We can always praise your name. Lord, grant us the grace if we are overflowing and enjoying you or we are earnestly desiring you 
to be able to sing that it is all about you, Lord. That is what worship is. In your name I pray, amen. God, when the music fades, when you strip everything away and I can simply come before you, along just just to bring something, anything that's of worth and that will bless your heart. I hope to bring you more, more, more than a song. Because a, a song in itself, I know, I know it's not what you desire or what you require of me. searching deeper deeper within me and from what I can tell from what it appears you're you're looking straight into my heart I want to come back I want to come back Father I want to come back to the heart the very center of worship where it's it's all about you all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord. Uh, I'm sorry for making it anything but that. I'm sorry for what I made it into. Lord, forgive me. Because I know it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Sing this as we seek to be fully satisfied.
every single breath And I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself is not what you have search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about that you guys have been comforted, convicted, reminded, spurred on even by Psalm 63. I, I just want to end our time in, in prayer. I have nothing else that I want to say, but I want to beg God by his spirit to do Psalm 63 in our hearts. For if he doesn't, it will not happen. So would you just end by praying with me? Holy Spirit, would you Grant us to be able to say that your love is better than life. Spirit, would we find our deepest and truest satisfaction in you? Apart from you, Lord, we can do nothing. We cannot make ourselves enjoy your presence. So would you do it, please? Spirit, would you also sustain us in the wilderness. We are in need of you, Lord. Grant us the grace to know you and enjoy you and sustain us, God. In your name I pray, amen. So we have some discussion questions for you, for your family, or even your life group. Take some time to take what you hear on Sunday and, and, and engage in conversation throughout the week. You can find that on our LAFC website and the Engage Guide. So my prayer is your heart. You would offer your heart this week and seek the Lord, praise the Lord, remember the Lord, and cling to the Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next week.